0: It's day three of Pondering AI's Insights and Intuition series. Today, Henrik Skalg reflects on environmental and social sustainability. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us yet again. Thank you very much. So you and I spoke last, this past February. What have been the most significant developments, positive or otherwise, in your areas of interest since then?
1: Oh, well, there's a broad areas of interest, but if it sticks to kind of somewhat AI and ESG, SDG yeah. related stuff, I think there's uh, some increased awareness of the environmental impacts that AI has, more on climate, but not really, really substantial getting down mm-hmm. to fixing it. You have this occasional article here and there, and everyone says we need to account for the climate impact of AI, the footprint of AI, uh, without us really getting close to actually measuring it and taking steps to bring it down but we also get a bit broader awareness uh, as in kind of water consumption for example you get that like mm-hmm. half a bottle of water for every chat gpt search so you get these occasional articles that shows that people are also seeing that there's mm-hmm. environmental impacts beyond climate and that's that's a good thing still so there's scope for more but i think that also requires more transparency better frameworks for reporting on and uh, demanding uh, reporting on uh, the environmental impacts from the big tech companies for example There is too little transparency, so there is really no good standard measure for what is the climate impact or the environmental impact of AI these days. And that's unfortunate, but at least we're getting a bit closer to demanding it, I think, as people are becoming increasingly aware of the potential downsides in that sense. Other than that, I think there's a plethora of initiatives related to regulating and auditing and doing all these kinds of uh, figuring out how we can solve the sustainability related issues of AI through law and through better measurements and better metrics. But I, I haven't really seen. Really great initiatives targeted at the stuff we talked about last time, which is kind of about at least the social aspects and related Mm -hmm. to automation and the concentration of power and wealth and those kinds of things, inequalities, and the need for politics, for example. And by politics, I don't really mean just making better laws. I was saying that we need regulation, we can regulate this and then it'll be okay. Kind of the deeper political engagement, the democratic engagement. So Mm -hmm. I think awareness and literacy and these kinds of things uh, is important. And I haven't seen too much on that side but a uh, lot of computer scientists are jumping into the regulatory and uh, legal uh, sphere is uh, what i've been seeing at least
0: well it's a, it's a good first step because first, first comes awareness right then comes action now you've also just recently published a new book what were the key questions you were exploring in that book
1: Ah, and that was technology and sustainable development. So that mm-hmm. was a bit broader than AI, uh, but definitely related to AI as well. And the subtitle of that book is The Promise and Pitfalls of techno Solutionism, which is once we find or identify or develop new technologies, we often search for things we can solve with these technologies, yeah. right? Instead of starting with what sort of society do we want? What are our main problems? And then seek out or develop technologies to address these solutions. So we tend to go about it the other way around, is my argument. Uh, at least that's what you refer to as technosolutionism, in a sense. The idea that we can solve and address all our questions through technology. So there's uh, different authors doing different sides of geoengineering, for example, all sorts of social, and environmental and economic, and lots of economic and political chapters in that book and some chapters by me as well.
0: All right, excellent. Well, I will refer everyone to that and look forward to reading that myself. I think this issue of making sure we are solving problems that are significantly impacting people and making sure that we are doing that in a way that is human, by which I don't mean just a human versus machine, but in a way that actually makes sense instead of trying to shoehorn something, some technology and to make the current process work.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of a a result of the current kind of market, both in terms of capital, for example. AI sells so much that it's really (laughs) tempting for everyone now to label everything AI, right? Even if you don't really need it, even if the solution is kind of more basic and, uh, in my opinion, would be better sold through the simpleness of what it does. But, you know, to attract investors and kind of look good, there's a lot of AI on everywhere, which makes things overly complicated now and then.
0: All right. So all of that being said, as you look at AI, the SDGs, what is your projection for what may unfold or what we can expect to see as we round the corner into the new year here?
1: Um, I think uh, we'll see increased attention on the idea of the twin transition, kind of the twinning of the digital and uh, green economy and the kind of the role that AI and technology can play in getting us towards uh, the environmental goals we have. So I think this twin transition idea is increasingly popular. But I think also at the same time, that tends to play on the upsides of AI. Mm -hmm. They say that we can use AI to fix our environmental challenges, but there's always this kind of comma and then, but we need to make sure that it's not too (laughs) bad while doing it, right? So you get this kind of equation. So I think what follows there is that uh, there will need to be developed some sort of life life cycle assessment methods, for example, for the use of AI technologies. So that we can get a good overview and get some actual numbers on uh, environmental impacts, not just climate, but environmental impacts more mm-hmm. broadly of AI, so that we can actually do to kind of calculate those trade-offs, uh, whereas people propose to use AI to address climate change, but what's the cost side here as well. Um, and there are no really good lifecycle assessment methods um, developed and uniformly available at least. So I think that's one thing we can and should see. And also we have the AI Act and we have a lot of regulation going on and coming. The AI Act was kind of drawn out quite a bit since they kind of discovered in the middle of this closing list <laughs> that they got to chat GPT and generative AI and LLMs, so which they had to get in there. So it's turned into a much longer process, an interesting project, uh, definitely. That and I think the AI safety uh, discussion mm-hmm. is uh, quite interesting. It relates to sustainable development, of course, if we think that human lives. Uh, period, are kind of endangered by AI. And you get this conflict between those people that are concerned with the actual harms going on right now with the, the biases and uh, discrimination, automation, people losing their jobs, versus this longer term, super intelligent machines that will eradicate us all.
0: Well, the comment you made, too, about regulation is interesting. It's a good example of why the regulation, the regulatory scheme is going to need to build in... Both resiliency, but also adaptability on an ongoing basis, because if we have to stop the development of the baseline framework or the baseline regulations and laws, because something new just came on the scene, Mm -hmm. we will end up not ever having anything that is active because there will always be
1: something new coming on the scene. Yeah. That's my main gripe with the focus on regulation now is that people are quite history-less, I'd say, in terms of kind of, oh, this is some brand new magical technology. We need regulation specifically for generative AI now. Uh, and then we'll always be chasing the technology and always be trying to address this just the the top of our minds questions related to what's happening without ever taking the step back and looking at but what's this what what is this really doing to social structures and what's happening in this kind of deeper questions so i would say that simpler regulation that's more technology neutral would be something i'd very much encourage rather than this kind of very very specific technology specific uh, regulation which will never catch up we'll always be chasing technology if that's the way we approach regulation of technology and in my opinion Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So all of that being said, if you were holding the pen or the wand, uh, where would you be focusing our attention in the new year if you were, in fact, directing that agenda?
1: Uh, If it started what I touched on before, I think I would look at some sort of requirement for uh, reporting on and disclosing the environmentally related impacts of training and running AI systems that would require that we have some sort of method uh, but that's not magic in that would, in the world of LCA's life cycle assessments there are toolboxes for us to use. But by requiring and mandating the disclosure of these kind, the kind of numbers, that would be one important big step, because that would kind of drive the development of methodologies. And it would also allow us a much better overview of what's what's the actual environmental impact of AI. Because right now there's a lot of guesswork. If you look at the environmental impact of ChatGPT, you get wildly diverging figures. Mm-hmm. But this is run on Microsoft Azure, right? And they pride themselves on now doing the sustainability cloud and being able to give everyone that runs on their platform these numbers, right? So, so as far as I can understand, this could be readily disclosed already. But of course, there's an interest perhaps in not doing so, but still. I think that's something that we could require and that should be relatively easily to uh, achieve. The other thing I think is kind of, uh, it would be interesting now to step back and see what sort of social, kind of the deeper social structural mm-hmm. changes that follow AI and automation and concentration of capital as a uh, particular generative AI, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm, disrupts a lot of employment uh, and work markets in the sense that like people's jobs change and people's jobs uh, might disappear or they need to do something else. So those kinds of questions related to decent work, I guess, for inequality and work and how these sorts of system uh, changes that I think would be for me a kind of main focus area. While while I could agree that these are good things that will give us benefits, so in the next 10, 20 years, we'll, we'll look back and see that this was good for us, there's some rough changes in the meantime, at least in the United States, for example, where you don't have the social networks that actually catch these people that are disrupted in their actual lived lives today. So the, they won't really look 10, 20 years ahead and think that it'll be worth it by then, right? Right. <laughs> and of course, there's a lot of unions and others really, really engaged with that already. But I think that's... Uh, yeah. One thing I'd like more focus on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. A, it's an interesting point And I think a great challenge laid down to that latter bit. there's this great analogy. I want to say it was Carl uh, Bendik Frey, Frey. I always pronounce it incorrectly. Yeah, yeah. But he had said, you know, that people say it'll, we'll lose so many jobs and we'll gain so many jobs and, and it'll all be okay. He said, it's a little like sticking your hand in the oven and, and one in the freezer and saying, hey, the temperature is average. You should be comfortable. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I exactly. Was, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hadn't it read is. that before. <laughs> no, no, it's really good. And it's really kind of uh, fitting because we need to think about both these things long term. Yes. But we also need to think about these people right now. Right. I think one recommendation is Brian Merchant's new book, Blood in the Machine, which is about the Luddites and how this mm-hmm. first industrial revolution has some kind of similarities to what's happening now in terms of, yes, we think it was worth it. and yeah, We don't want to forego these things, but it was quite rough for a lot of people for a while. Yeah. yeah awesome.
0: Well, thank you, Henrik. This was uh, a pure pleasure. Thank you very much. 12 Days of Pondering AI continues tomorrow. Subscribe now for more insights into what's happening now and what to expect next in the ever-fascinating world of AI.